is some hard stuff. You cannot serve God and money. Most of us have heard this before, and we think we get it. I don't think so. It's hard stuff. And so let's start as Jules so beautifully invited us with that piece of music in a place grounded in this peace. It's how Jesus began. You cannot serve God and money comes at the end of a series of stories. Jesus tends to the people, helping us find our way to the place of peace. And you know these stories because there are three parables that are often talked about together. They're talked about a lot, actually. They're stories you're familiar with. There was a shepherd who had 100 sheep, but one of them wandered off. And don't you know that shepherd? He went through the wilderness, night and day, brambles, hills, to find that one lost sheep. And when he found that one lost sheep, he lifted him and put him over his shoulders and he carried that sheep all the way home rejoicing. For who would not rejoice that the one lost was found and brought home? And Jesus continues and tells another story we know. There was a widow who had 10 coins of silver, but somehow she lost one. And so she lit a lamp, and all through the night, she got on her hands and knees. She took a broom. She swept and looked and searched until she found that one lost coin. And then she called her neighbor. She said, come and celebrate with me. Why? Of course I'm rejoicing. I found the coin I thought I had lost. It's been here all along. Hallelujah. And then the third story we know. Jesus continued and said, there was a father who had two sons. And one of his sons, the young one, said to his father, give me everything that's mine. I've got a life to live. And he took it all and he went out into the world. And he played hard. And then life got hard. And he realized he didn't have what he needed anymore. The scripture story tells us he's rolling around with the pigs. Some of you can relate, amen? amen. I'm just saying. <laughs> and so that son gets down on his knees. He realizes, what am I doing here with the pigs? I have a home. I'm going home. And I will just fall at the feet of my father. I will say, I'm so sorry. I was young. I was dumb. I didn't know. How can I make it up to you? Just let me come home. And so that son makes that hard journey back. And the father has some servants that see that child coming from far away. And you know what happens, right? They say, your son is coming. And the father says, quick, 
Get the fatted calf. Get the robes. Prepare for a party. We are celebrating. That child that's been lost so long is coming home. Who would not be rejoicing for the son that's been lost to me is found again? Hallelujah. Jesus tells these stories all in a row, and we often hear them in places like this, and we say, yes, yes. God is one who will go to great lengths to find me and carry me home. God is one who will get down on hands and knees and search me out when I'm lost right where I am. God is one that will throw open the doors and prepare a reception for me and welcome me home anytime I turn around. We know these stories. The catch is, we don't believe them. We don't. I'm not saying we don't believe him. We believe him. And I'm not saying that we don't believe it's theoretically the way things could work. What I'm saying is we don't believe it. You see, we have these hearts that want to believe, that are just torn open half the time. Please help me, God. Help me find my way home. Can you do for me what I can't do for myself? Can you come and get me? I need you. Please. Those, those, we have those hearts. And then we have a mind of our own. Right? We have a mind that tells us all sorts of nonsense. We have a God that says, I'll bring you home. Come on home. You're already home. Welcome home. And we have a mind that says, I'm lost and cannot be found. <laughs> so luckily, we have a Savior that messes with our minds. Really. We got some minds that need messing with. That's called salvation right there. Got some minds that need messing with. And so Jesus does that with the parable we have today. See, this is really interesting to me. This is the fourth parable in that row, in that series. But it never gets preached like that. It's like those three stories are all, you know, a set. And then there's this weird mind-messing parable at the end. So they just leave it off. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Who of you understands that, really? Come on. Beautiful reading happening. Don't tell me you weren't just a little bit confused. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I, let me get this story. <laughs> so, all right. So the guy's dishonest. And then the householder says, you're being dishonest. I can't have you handling my business anymore. So I'm going to let you go. And so the guy says, oh my gosh, the jig is up. I better do something quick because I can't take care of myself. So let me go ahead and, well, be dishonest. It's worked for me in the past. <laughs> let me be a little more dishonest while I can. I'll just kind of take the little leverage I got left before I'm really out the door. And I'll go give away some money that isn't mine so that people will be grateful to me. 
and then I'll have some friends. <laughs> and then when I'm out on my behind, I'll have some place to go. And then, yeah, this is the story. That same householder says, hey, good for you. <laughs> good thinking. Good job. Now, I'm serious. Let's think about this for a minute. Because the householder is like the voice of God. The voice of God is saying, you're not managing my business right. And so I got to let you go. And so then it comes around and the mismanaging manager does some dishonest stuff to make his way. And the voice of God says, good for you. You know, I like the way you do that. You kind of do that thing pretty good, making a way for yourself, better than the children of light. It's confusing. So then we think, oh good, there's a key, because right after all this craziness story, <laughs> there's some, you know, some basic moral of the story thing, so let's hear it. So the moral of the story, if you can't be faithful in small things, well, you can't be faithful in much. All right. Not sure how I'm going to work with that, but all right. And if you're not able to handle dishonest wealth, how are you going to get true riches? I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> I could work with it, but not sure. And then this weird thing about, well, if you can't handle other people's stuff, who's going to give you what's yours? Wait, who's going to give you what's yours? Is that like a trick question? Because it's already confusing. Oh, but thank goodness, all this mind-messing stuff, we get at least to something that makes sense at the very end. You can't serve two masters. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Because you're either going to love the one and despise the other, or you're going to be devoted to one and hate the other. Great. The bottom line, oh, let's go with this. You can't serve God and money. Good deal. We're good. We can work with that except we don't, so that's the problem, because <laughs> we think it's about money, and it's not about money, yeah, we think it's about money, but it's not about money, Jesus messing with our minds, you cannot serve God and money. And all the faithful people, all the children of light say, amen, and nod our heads. But then I'm going to ask you to do this thing. Which way is the wind blowing? <laughs> Let me just ask a couple simple questions. Like, have you ever been rushed in the morning because you had to get to work because your job pays the bills and you better get there on time so you don't have time to pray? Let's reverse that. Have you ever needed to get to praying, but work was in the way, but you said, work's got to be put on hold because my time right now is God's. First things first. I'm just saying. <laughs> I happen to know a lot of you say things like, 
yeah, I drive to work praying as I go because I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, I pray in the shower because I don't have time. You see, we hear this, you cannot serve God and money, but we don't believe it. We don't. We might agree with it, we just don't believe it. Because we immediately say amen and then get to managing our money. Or get to managing getting the money. Or get to managing our worries about money. Get to managing the bills and the appointments and the taking care of business, all of which is life on life's terms. And I'm a spiritual person, but let's be realistic. See, I'm just saying. We think it's about money. Let's not. Former partner and I had some issues, so we went to therapy. <laughs> and we went to the therapist and we said, we are fighting about money. And she looked and she said, you know, when couples come in and they say they're fighting about money, it's never about money. I, oh, yes, it is about money. Let me tell you how much about money. I'll tell you, uh, yes, we have an agreement that we discuss all major purchases, but my partner just bought a $1,500 flat screen TV and it was just in the living room when I arrived home. No discussion happening. Don't tell me that's not about money. That's about money. Especially when I have to discuss whether we have enough money to get my hair cut and highlighted. <laughs> it's about money. Or maybe you have your own scenario that you are sure it's about money. Yep, it sure is about money. I go on out there and I make a whole bunch of it and he goes on out there and spends a lot more. Don't tell me it's not about money. I put my tail to the grindstone and he whips out the credit card every chance he's got. Don't tell me it's not about money. I'm going to tell you it's not about money. You see, the thing is, we believe it's about money. We really do. But if we follow it all the way through, we find out it's really about what we don't believe. We don't believe things like both of us in this relationship can get what we need. We don't believe things like both of us can agree on things that are in each other's best interests. We don't believe you can have a relationship without a certain degree of manipulating and dishonesty and controlling. Really, come on, if you've ever been in a relationship, you know I'm telling the truth. Or we don't believe that we can be the one that actually gets supported we don't believe that we can be carried a little bit. We don't believe that we deserve to be nurtured and have a little abundance. No, that's not who I am. It's my lot in life to be the martyr. I'm the one that just has to be the responsible one. Everybody else, they, you know, they play. I have to be the one 
I just don't believe that I'll ever be able to get what I need. Or maybe we don't believe this other thing on the other side. I don't believe I can take care of myself. I got to spend, spend, spend everything I got because I got to get it right now because pretty soon I'm going to be on my own because it never works out for me. I'm just a needy, weak person. That's just the way I am. So I just got to get what I got and store it up if I can because I cannot be responsible. I cannot take care of myself. I cannot be independent. I just can't. That's what I believe. I, I, I just, I don't believe I'm it. I got it. I've never found my way that way. So we believe it's about money, but it's about what we don't believe. So, let's check that out for a minute. In order to understand the story, we've got to go to the beginning of the story. There's a guy who's managing God's money. He's mismanaging God's money. What's that mean? It doesn't say he's stealing. It says he's mismanaging. I'm guessing some sort of wheeling and dealing. The commentaries have a bunch of different ideas. Basically boils down to he's trying to get over somehow using God's money. He's trying to provide for himself. Get a little extra using God's money. The problem is God says, hey, I see you're mismanaging my stuff. So I'm going to have to let you go to it on your own. And he has a big realization, huh, I can't take care of myself. So I'm going to be shrewd. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to get my needs met without money. I'm going to go ahead and start to release some debt for some people. I'm going to talk to people about what they need and oh and I'm just going to get that kind of cleared up in a certain kind of way so that I can get welcomed into the homes that will provide me some shelter and some community and a place to belong once I'm out on my behind. You see, I believe it's about money, says the manager, until he follows it all the way through to what he doesn't believe, which is I don't believe I can take care of myself, which is a good thing because he doesn't. And that allows him to come to believe the thing he couldn't believe in the beginning, which is even without money, there are ways that everything he needs can be provided for. And so here's this lesson that we get. And it's interesting because Jesus is talking at this point to the disciples. Those first three stories, Jesus is talking to the crowds. And then he turns around and he says, and now, for you who are children of the light, for you who are the believers, who think that believing in God is the same thing as believing that God will care for you. The people around you who don't believe in God, they kind of find their way more quickly to this truth because they are able to follow what they think will take care of them all the way through to hitting bottom to realize it won't take care of them so that they have to turn to the provision that's all around them. In that way, God says good for you to that manager. You hit your bottom, you kept going, and you are finding out what it's really about. Good. 
You followed what you thought you believed in all the way to discovering what you don't believe in and then found another way to be cared for. This is the invitation to us people. We had to start at the beginning of the story to get some of this and I'm gonna tell you that we actually needed to start a little bit further back, the end of the last parable. The last parable about the lost son. You see, because there's another son. That story about the lost son does not end with the hallelujah, the lost son is back. Do you know how it ends? It ends, it ends with the other son who's been there all along. The one who's been saying to his father, what about me? What about me? I did everything right. I've been staying here. I've been working for you. I've been faithful to you. What about me? You're not throwing me any parties. And the father turns, and this is where that story ends. The father turns to that son. I'm going to call him the lost, lost son. Turns to that son, and he says, my child, you are always here with me, and everything I have is yours. You are always here with me. Everything I have is yours. You are looking at what you don't have, and there you are blinded to everything that is already yours. And then Jesus tells the story we have today to help us learn this lesson deeply. For we, the faithful, the children of light, are the lost, lost sons so often. We're doing everything right. We're being faithful. We're showing up where we think we need to show up, but we don't get it. We don't have to earn a thing. It's already ours. We don't have to prove our worth. We're already worthy. And as long as we're looking at what we don't have, we are blind to all the provisions around us. It's already here, people. Everything you need is already here. I am not kidding. Jesus needs to mess with our minds. We need to be reminded of the truth of God's provision, who we really are, so that we can find our way from what we believe all the way through to what we don't believe, so that we can come to believe in the thing we don't believe yet, which is God's provision is total and complete. And we are already home. Over the next six weeks, we will discover together some practical ways to move in and through our anxious hearts to the place of the prosperous heart serene, secure, and trusting in God's provision for our lives. I look forward to the adventure with you. Welcome home.